baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Does Wally like to climb into bed with you? He does. He actually sleeps with me quite often. I mean, um, do you think that's weird? <laughs> do I think it's weird? I think it's totally off the hook. <laughs> How did I've this... I've had gators over 30 years. I've never had a gator ever, ever. Why is it? None of them I'd ever leave in my bed with me. <laughs> and that's probably a smart choice. But Joe Henney of Jonestown, Pennsylvania, says his seven-year-old alligator, Wally, pretty much has the run of the house. Henney spoke recently with KNX News Radio in Los Angeles. He and Wally have made a lot of headlines recently and amassed quite an online following. In fact, Wally is now in the running to be named America's favorite pet. <laughs> While exotic animals and those more on the domestic side may provide support for their owners, Dr. Lynette Hart, the vice chair of the Department of Population, Health, and Reproduction at the University of California at Davis, and co-author of the recently released book, The Perfect Puppy, revealed that there is also a darker side to the support animal industry. There's really no enforcement of these regulations. It's very sort of sloppy. No one comes in and tries to enforce it. So, so it became a Wild West free-for-all. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat, a podcast that dives into head-scratching news stories each week. In this episode, we'll visit a zoo of support animals. He works with about 40 special needs adults and four classes of daycare special needs children. Joe, what what do you feed him? What does he eat? He only eats chicken legs, dead rats, and cheesy puffcorn. That's all. Cheesy Cheesy puffcorn. Doesn't he get all that, like, orange stuff all over him? Doesn't he hate that? Because I do. I do, too, but he don't. For many, emotional support animals do serve a legitimate purpose. But it's important to note that they are not recognized as service animals, according to the Americans with Disabilities Act. There's a big difference. Uh, Let's just start at the beginning. Why do we have these animals? It all comes from the Americans with Disabilities Act, that law. But that law never mentions animals. But what that law says is we need reasonable accommodation for people who have disabilities. And disabilities is so broadly defined. Anyone almost would have some kind of disability. So it's very broad. And it doesn't say how to incorporate that. Hart and her colleagues at UC Davis have published research about assistance animals and the confusing language surrounding them. In the United States, we have something so complicated because the regulations have to be passed by specific agencies. So initially then it was the Department of Justice who passed the regulations describing service dogs. And it was kind of a a 
curveball that they used the term service dogs. They wanted to emphasize that the dogs have to do some special task for the person with a disability. So that's why they called it <clears throat> service dogs. But the rest of the world is calling them assistance animals. So we're a little bit off track with the rest of the world. And then that didn't really answer the questions of what happens in housing, like in rental housing. So HUD passed its own regulations and it doesn't say what happens in air travel. So the Department of Transportation passed its own regulations. So that's why things got so complicated. As you can say, it, it said you've got multiple sets of rules, it sounds like, and, and semantics play into it, support versus service versus assistance. It, it can be confusing, can't it? it? It's exactly, and there's so much confusion about it. But what happened was things got way out of control with air travel, and that was because the regulations for air travel were so broad, and there was no mention of the species Emotional support animals, ESAs, were allowed on airplanes, and nothing was defined about the species. And so that's why you saw people bringing a pig or a peacock on an airplane. So I think it was irresponsible the way those initial regulations were passed. So then it became really a complicated thing to get all the airlines together to agree on some new rules. And it was the American Veterinary Medical Association that brokered that. They kept inviting all the airlines to come and talk about it. And eventually, after several years, they agreed to do away with emotional support animals on airplanes. That doesn't exist anymore. The Department of Transportation issued that final ruling in 2020. You mentioned some of the animals that people tried to bring onto planes. I guess that obviously had a lot to do with them getting rid of this. It was a horrible problem. There were so many difficulties. So now it's back to simply service dogs are allowed on airplanes and emotional support animals are not. You can bring a small pet that fits in a kennel onto the plane by paying a little extra to bring your pet, but it's a pet, not an emotional support animal. No ponies. No, exactly. No. Joe, the alligator owner from Pennsylvania, said he would never try to get Wally on a plane, according to an interview with the Washington Post. Instead, he says people come to him to visit the gator. I have people come from uh, Singapore, Finland, Iceland, uh, Australia, Africa, uh, India, India quite often, Germany quite often. In addition to causing issues on planes, confusion about the rules in general have resulted in a support animal industry. It created a marketplace for people to sell psychologist letters and sell little jackets and all of that. All of that was for the airplane travel. And it's kind of calmed down now. And I guess probably this led to some litigation, too. Well, you let him on with his pig. Why can't I get on with my snake? Yeah, it seemed like there wasn't that much happening in the courts about this because there's no enforcement. It was just 
very chaotic is what I would say. And there was obviously a lot of fraud going on with people claiming that their dog had some or their animal had some special role. And we still have emotional support animals in housing. So a person is allowed to have an emotional support animal in their rental apartment if they have a disability. And there's no species definition. It's not very limited. I want to mention one other big problem, which is people who want a service dog, people who have a disability, if they contact a facility, they may find there's a long waiting line. So that has created a market for some dog trainers to say, oh, I will train up a diabetes detection dog for you or a mobility dog for you and cause, you know, create big price tags for dogs that may not really do anything. So I think it's important for people to know that there are facilities that are accredited by Assistance Dogs International. And those facilities are authentic and responsible. They're nonprofits. So they're not making a huge profit in selling the dogs. And that's one way to sort of judge the facility you work with. But a problem is that sometimes they have quite a waiting list. I want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago, uh, the letters from psychiatrists, therapists, and such. Are there scams associated with these support and service animals that, that we need to watch out for? Well, these letters were being sold online, and that was primarily to give people some credentials for flying with their animal. That was what was driving that market. I think that's pretty much shut down because it doesn't get you anything to have that little jacket or that letter. It's not providing anything for you, except maybe with your landlord. I sat next to a guy once he was a, a Navy, he was on the, like a Navy bomb squad, and he had a bomb sniffing dog on there with him. And this was a full size, large German shepherd. For sure. And the, he was in the window seat too. And he, that dog curled up into a ball. And that was the, the best trained dog I think I've ever seen. Yeah, they're amazing. And they're high drive dogs. They're dogs that want to work all the time. I met one guy at the Pentagon that had a bomb dog and he said he had to always have something in the dog's mouth because it was just so high drive. But while Wally isn't a service dog or a bomb dog, Joe says his fans can't get enough of the Gators' emotional support. Everybody's anxious to get their hug and kiss from me. I'm Mike Rogers, and thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake, with audio editing by Chris Blake and original music by Myron Kaplan, editorial support from Cooper Mall. To keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, please send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. 
exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.